scripture reading is from Ephesians 1, 1 through 12. Ephesians 1, 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, and things upon the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Good morning this morning, and you might have guessed or surmised from the music that Paul has chosen for us this morning that this is about a Sunday about the love of God. We're just going to kind of bask in that love this morning, and um, I find no better place to start than in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. God is exercising his love throughout the world, in the dark places where you might not ever see it, our missionary conference is coming and we'll be hearing about some of those things, um, and maybe in places that you don't think or wouldn't think that the Spirit of God was moving, and yet He is. And yet, He's moving right here at home, and He reaches into families, He reaches into communities, He reaches into a young man's heart, and uh, brings him, in His love, He brings him to Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to hear from Jared Meisner and about that uh, encounter that he has had with Jesus Christ. And when I asked him to do this, <clears throat> hardly knowing him a few Sundays ago, he said, really? <laughs> sure. And... Uh, I appreciate that. Did I get your last name right? Yeah. yeah. See, don't hardly know him. Come and share with us, Jared. 
Oh, wait a minute. We're going to get you a mic. I forgot. I got one, but you don't. Is that good? Cool. Um, so my testimony is similar to Courtney's last week's when she shared hers. I, uh, I accepted God into my heart multiple times as a kid, as a little kiddo, as a child. Um, I would go to Sunday school and <clears throat> probably about like once a month I would accept him into my heart and <laughs> I also I did a after-school program called Good News in elementary school and in that I also accepted God into my heart so it's probably twice a week once or twice um, <clears throat> but as I got older I started to realize that I had no idea what I was doing and accepting him in my heart so, um, and I, I did it, but I'd stopped doing it so often. And then as I got older and older, the Ponderosa fire happened at Mountain Meadows. Also, I, I've been going to Mountain Meadows since I was, since as long as I could, uh, from what I remember. And the Ponderosa fire happened at Mountain Meadows and the next time it was open for high school camp, middle school camp, I don't know, I was 13 at the time. Um, I, I went up there and they uh, told the story of how the fire went all the way around the camp and it didn't actually touch any of the camp boundaries. And that really inspired me and showed me uh, that I need to figure out my place with God and I need to uh, accept him. They did a really inspirational speech at the time too, which that helped definitely. Um, that was the last time I accepted God into my heart was at Mountain Meadows. And because of that, I also started working at Mountain Meadows. And I, I personally love it. Mountain Meadows is great. Um, and since then, um, I, I've gotten, you know, farther away from God and closer to him. We all have those moments where we're not as close to him as we would like to be. And this past summer, I went to Alaska and I started going to church, well, more, more so. Um, and since then, when I got back from Alaska, I, I've been going to church almost every Sunday that I can. And um, my relationship with God now is close, better than it's ever been. And I've tried the 24-7 challenge, um, and that helps. I'll be walking around work or something. And just in my mind, I'll be having a conversation with God, telling him how, how everything's going. And I also, I recently just got a new car, which is a very nice car. Probably a little faster someone my age, but it's a nice car. Um, and I, uh, I've just been thanking God a lot for that, because to me, that's a, that's a big deal. But it's not, you know, it's not um, a necessity, but I, I've been grateful that I have that. To, I've been grateful to God that I have that. And... Right now, yeah, my my relationship with him is stronger than it's ever been. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jared. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
Let's see, how many times can you ask Jesus into your life? Well, um, you can ask him a lot of times. I did. I appreciate those testimonies. I grew up in Sunday school like, like those people, like uh, we just heard in the last two Sundays. And uh, if your heart is tender to the things of God, you want to make sure that he hears you and sees you, and uh, you want to make sure that your heart is right before him. And so that's one of the things that happens is, uh, to us as young kids growing up in a Christian home. When does that salvation take place? I don't know. Um, I can remember in my own life, uh, it was uh, about five or six years old when I, seven maybe, when I <clears throat> was asking Christ to be in my life. But I can remember some decisions since then, especially when I was about 18, 19 years old, where I said, I got to quit fooling around <clears throat> with the Lord and get serious. And... Uh, start really trusting him in all my decisions in my life. So that's a growing experience, and I appreciate that, Jared, this morning you're sharing that with us. And um, I think, I think the, the theme that I want to make sure that we understand this morning is that we're just going to bask in the love of Jesus. Um, his love is so awesome. If you open your bulletin, you will see a picture of his love. Now, this is Silas Pack, who is someday going to be a great Rembrandt. I can, I can just tell by this. Uh, that, that's artist, by the way. <clears throat> you see that heart? Take a good look at that. What's happening there? We got arrows pointed to the left. We got an arrow pointing to the right. And we have a heart that's on fire. And when Silas was asked, why is there fire? He replied, because Jesus sets our heart on fire. Well, now, I could just say amen, we could sit down um, because of the music that we've had this morning and, the, and that art drawing really speaks to the love of God. It's eternity. It is eternal from the past. It's going to be eternal. It is eternal into the future. And that love is present with us now. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. If, you, if you've closed them, open them again, please. And... Um, I will get my copious amount of notes out here so we can get out of here at least by one. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 through those verses that Bill read this morning could be To me, maybe the most absolutely precious verses that they're in the whole Bible. Hopefully we can uh, maybe get a glimpse of why this morning. Let me just remind you, if you haven't been here for the last uh, couple weeks, that we've been on a little bit of a journey. Uh, this is the journey that we're on. A little prayer. Um that God laid on my heart one day 
that we may see him so clearly, understand him so deeply, enjoy him so thoroughly, delight in him so fully, love him so completely that I will obey him so perfectly. The journey that I trust that we're on together is to see him more clearly. A couple weeks ago, I started the series of messages, The Presence of Jesus Changed Everything, by talking about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, therefore, and chapter 4, 5, and 6, a little bit of review, chapter 4, 5, and 6, basically concentrate on our obedience to Christ, what we should be doing, how we should live. And what I suggested then was that we can't get over there and be too serious about those chapters and that obedience until we live and experience the truths that are in chapters 1, 2, and 3. That's why there's a therefore. Um, our obedience that that last line talks about, that we'll obey him so perfectly, comes as a result of seeing him clearly, understanding him deeply, enjoying him thoroughly, delighting him fully, and loving him completely, and our obedience comes out of that. When we get that mixed up and turned around and start trying to live the Christian life by our own self-discipline, our own willpower, and those sorts of things, we become very frustrated with our Christianity and oftentimes grow cold because there's a guilt that comes into our life and there's a a feeling of unworthiness. I'm not living up to what God has asked me to do. And so the next Sunday, we tried to address that idea of our unworthiness. Tried to answer the question, how can a loving, holy God who hates sin have an intimate, close fellowship with believers that still sin? How can he do that? Why, Why aren't we in trouble when we sin? And I think the title of that um, sermon last Sunday was, We're Not in Trouble. Well, why is that? Well, hopefully, we were able to shed a little light on that last Sunday in going back and looking at the fact that when we're born again, when we trusted Christ as our Savior, that just isn't just the forgiveness of our sin. Our salvation is much more it's, it's fantastic that our sins are forgiven. That we, that's absolutely necessary and awesome and wonderful. But our salvation is in Christ is much more than just having our sins forgiven. It is being created into a new man, a new creature, having a new nature, having new DNA. You remember what Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So, when we trust Christ as our Savior, there's a new thing that happens in us. There's a new life that's formed. It wasn't there before. It's new. Born again means there's new life. And that new life is in this new man that Jesus Christ has created. And he has exchanged my unrighteousness for his righteousness. And you remember I... Uh, 
gave the illustration that Watchman Nee used in one of his books. He said, we are like a piece of paper. And that piece of paper is put into a book. The book is folded up and thrown in the fire. What happens to the piece of paper? I think this is a great illustration. Because what happens to the piece of paper is the same thing that happens to the book. The same thing that happens to the book happens to the piece of paper. They're both burned up. And when you've been placed in Christ, whatever happens to Christ happens to you. Therefore, the scripture can teach us that when he was crucified, we were crucified with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When, we, when he was resurrected from the dead, we were resurrected with him. When he was seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of God, we were seated there with him. That is known as our position in Christ. But it is a reality. It's just not a theory. It's this new person that's in Christ. And then we addressed what Paul struggled with and understood is just because we're a new person, does that mean that we never sin? No, we still sin. And so he gave us the explanation for that. The explanation is that even though I'm a new person, even though I've been created anew in Christ and given a new nature, a new DNA, I still live in the old home. I still live in a body that is contaminated by sin from my previous father, the devil. But now I have a new father, and I'm a new creation. However, I still live in this old body of sin. Paul goes to far as to say, and it might be hard for us to grasp this, but he goes so far as to say, when I sin, that's not me. That is not me, that is sin that dwelleth in me. I am a new creature in Christ. When we understand that, then we're able to understand that when Jesus knocks on our door at 6 in the morning and says, I want to spend the day with you, we can greet him, we can hug him, we don't have to shrink away because of our selfishness, because of, the, of our disobedience so many times. We don't have to. Because why? Because we're a new creature in Christ, and that's who he's embracing as this new creature. So out of that, um, what Jared just mentioned was that we gave a 24-7 uh, challenge to walk with Jesus 24-7. If you don't have one of these cards, there's extras in the back, and uh, it has that prayer on it. And then on the back, it says, take the 20, Jesus 24-7 challenge. And what that is, is to get up every morning and to put your feet on the floor and say, what are Jesus and I going to do today? I want to tell you that there's an awful lot of people in here that are doing that. Jared's not the only one. I've heard, I, I've heard many times people are writing me, uh, texting me, that they are uh, doing that. They're walking with Jesus 24-7. I would encourage you to write those things down for me. I'd like to use them as illustrations. If you haven't communicated with me, use the email address or text me on the phone. Those things are both on the card. I appreciate you doing that. Okay. Last Sunday, we were trying to answer the question, how can he do that? How can he have this fellowship with us? This Sunday, we're, ask, we're, we're saying, well, um, that's the how he did it, but why did he do it? 
Why did he do it? Why did Christ go to the cross for us? Well, let me start reading through Ephesians chapter 1 again. Let's pick it up at 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Why did He do that? In love, He predestined us to the adoptions of as sons. So what's He done here? He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we could be what? Holy and blameless. And He predestined us so that we could be adopted as sons. Why did He do that? Because of His love for us. Because of His great love for us. Goes on to say, um, he, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. goes on to say, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. The, the, the wording here, and we'll get back to this more in two weeks. We'll come back into, uh, into this same um, passage and uh, try to dig out a little more on uh, the difference between... Uh, uh, the, the truths of, of God's sovereignty, election, and predestination, and our own free will. We'll, we'll touch on that in two Sundays a little bit and try to explain some of those things a little better. But today the emphasis is on why did he do it? Because of his great love. We sang these hymns. I can't even uh, do any better in explaining this than in the hymns we just sung. But let's just kind of bask in his love. If you, you know the man that writes so much in the New Testament about Jesus' love is John. So turn with me to John chapter uh, 3, and we'll look at that great verse. And if these lights keep going up and down, I'm going to have some kind of a coronary stroke or something right in front of you. But no, it doesn't bother me much. Reminds me a little bit of my life, actually. Sometimes it's kind of bright. Sometimes, don't touch those. He's got these back there with his hands up going. Oh, now, okay. I can still see. That's fine. <laughs> Let's just kind of bask in the love of God here this morning. We, we could take time to, to hear from each one of you and, and, uh, that's what I'm trying to do a little bit as uh, I ask different people to share their testimony. <clears throat> because the, the love of God has reached out and captured us. If, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your trust in Jesus, it's his love that got out and got after you, and he captured you with his love. John 3.16, we all know it, we've memorized it. <clears throat> but just because we know it and memorize it, let's not take it for granted. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Wow. That's why he did it. His love. His love. His love. Um, turn over to John 
chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 13. I've marked out to read. Let me start at 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now we're all, we all know that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He went to the cross for us. We'll come back to that first chapter of Ephesians in a few minutes. And I want to show you something that just delights my heart about God's love uh, that I don't think I quite ever got a very good grasp on before. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Christ laid down his life for us. Turn over to John chapter 17. Now we're in his prayer for us. He prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he adds us to that list in John chapter 17. Sometime when, you're <clears throat> when you sense you need the arms of God around you, uh, this is a good place to turn, John chapter 17, and read his prayer for his disciples and for us. Uh, this is his request to the Father, and I want to tell you, that when Jesus Christ requests something from the Father, he gets it. This is his prayer for us. Verse 20, let's start, look at verse 20. He's been praying for his disciples. And then in verse 20, he turns that prayer to us. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, just my disciples, but for those also who believe in me through their word. If there's ever a verse that we could even start up a missionary conference with, it's, it's how did we come to know Christ? Somebody shared the word of God with us. How do people throughout the world come to know Christ? Somebody shared the word of God with them. The gospel touched them because people took it to them. I do not ask on behalf of those alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Now, I don't know how many times I'd have to read this or think on this to try and grasp what is actually being said here. It is... Beyond all reason. I've often said faith is believing the unreasonable. Anybody can believe the reasonable. But when things are outside of our sphere of knowledge or experience, and we have to take them by faith, we, that's, we are believing many times what is unreasonable to us. And if there was anything that's unreasonable... To happen to a human being, this is it. Let's start again. 
I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and I, as you, Father, are in me, and I'm in you. These believers are going to be in us, he is saying to the Father, just like I'm in you and you're in me. Are you kidding me? We're brought into the relationship the same as Jesus Christ is with his Father God. That's what it tells us. That they also may be in us. Yes. So that the world may believe that you sent me. Well, when we finally get a grasp that we are actually in God, in that love of God, in that relationship with God, is we are loved as much as the Son is loved, and we're placed into that union with Him, then our lives begin to change. And what happens is that people around us see that changed life. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them... And you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you have sent me. And you love, and I have this underlined twice in my Bible, and you love them even as you have loved me. It's a little bit beyond me to understand the character of God that is love. He can just keep repeating it for me, demonstrating it for me, um, going to the cross for me. Um, I see those things, and um, but it's a, it's a little hard to get your head wrapped around that Father God loves me like he loves his son. And that he had a plan to make that happen. That's why I love Ephesians chapter 1, because he had a plan to make that happen. Turn with me to 1 John. John writes not only in the book of John, but he writes in 1 John. Go there with me, 1 John chapter 4. And this morning, I'm not sharing anything that's new with, to you. you. You know, I'm sure all of you know these things. But it's just the idea, let's take a bath in his love this morning and just rejoice in it. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Now, God is a lot of things. He's just and he's righteous and he's holy and all the rest. But the one thing that he is as well is that God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that in this is love, 
Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God has taken the initiative in our salvation. In fact, our salvation is of God. Scripture repeats that over and over. Turn back with me to Ephesians and... uh, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, just from maybe a little different perspective for you. I know it has been for me. Now, if God created the world, and then he created man, and he didn't have a plan... He just thought he would create the world and then he would create man and see where it would go. Some people actually believe that. But if that were true, then as time went on, right away and later, God would realize that man is a sinner and has sinned and is rebelling against him. So all of a sudden he would realize that I created them in the garden and it was perfect, uh, but now they rebelled against me. What are we going to do about it? And so he thinks on it and he thinks on it and he thinks on it and he says, well, I need to come up with a plan. How am I going to get this man back in relationship with me? He's sinful. How can I have fellowship? I want to have fellowship with him. How am I going to have fellowship with him? He's a sinner. And so... I don't know, i got to think of this. And so um, there's the fall, and then there's the flood, and then there's the nation of Israel. And you might look at that and say, well, God was trying to figure out a way that somehow he could get man um, back to himself. Well, truth of the matter is, God had a plan before he ever formed the world. And that's what he's letting us in on here. That's why I love this so much, these verses. Now, I don't understand how it all works. And we'll wrestle around with some of these things in a couple Sundays. But I do know this. I do know what it says. It said he had a plan before he created the world and before he created me before he created humans, that Jesus Christ would be the Lamb of God crucified because the Scripture says before the foundation of the world. Now, to me, that puts a whole different light on the love of God, a whole different light on the love of Jesus Christ. Because what it means is that while Jesus is creating the universe, he's making light where there was darkness, he's making dry land where there was water, he's making trees and flowers and people and animals. While he's doing that, he's looking forward to the day when he'll go to the cross. And he keeps right on creating. He keeps right on creating. Knowing full well that there's going to come a day when he drags that cross up Calvary's mountain to be crucified. 
And he's going to go through the agony of the crucifixion, but more than that, he's going to go to the point of separation from love from his Father. That's always in his future when he is back here creating and his time is coming out. That's why in uh, chapter, uh, in verse 9 in Ephesians, he says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of time. What he's talking about there is when, when this is all going to get wrapped up and taken care of. He had a plan. But that plan could only be born out of a God that is love. That's got to be his character. That's got to be his heart, his essence. Because he's going to create and he's going to put up with and he is going to do a, a nation. He's going, to, he's going to just keep going as you follow through the Old Testament and you follow even through the New Testament. He is just, then he's going to come down here and live on the dusty streets and he's going to become fully man even though he's fully God. And then he's going to go to the cross. So all through that Old Testament, and you need to, we need to read it this way. All through that Old Testament, it's about Jesus heading to the cross. Every, everything about the Old Testament is about Jesus heading to the cross. Following the line of David, following his heritage, following the, the covenants that God made with Abraham. As you follow all that, it's all about getting Jesus to the cross because that was his plan from eternity past. His love is so great that he drew a plan that would cost him not only the agony of Calvary, but the separation from his father when he cries, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's always in his future as you're coming along through the Old Testament. And yet he kept on creating, he kept on loving, he kept on calling his own to himself. Now, what's my part? Well, I have to believe it by faith. I have to trust it by faith. But I want to tell you something. And I'll just close with these remarks. My faith gets stretched awful thin sometimes. It's more like a thread than a rope in my connection with God. And there are people that have gone through horrific things in life. Several years ago, I met a family at a, one of our conferences. She was the speaker at, at one of our mission conferences down in Fresno. <clears throat> and uh, she and her husband were a young married couple, and they had a child. And, and uh, as was the custom, um, the husband 
she went to work and the husband went to work. But when the, on the way to work, the husband was to drop the child off at the, at the child care. And one day he forgot. He forgot so much that when he got out of, when he parked his car in the parking lot, he grabbed his stuff and went to work. And the child died in the heat of the car. Do you think they didn't cry out, where were you, God? Where were you? All you had to do was remind me. You could have done that. Where are you, God? That's a cry often of many people that are on the face of this earth. As we go through the trials of life, where are you, God? My faith that's holding on to you is really, really small. Show yourself, God, why? I read an account that happened only about 15 years ago in an ISIS prison. And they had a a dear saint. They asked him to recount his faith. What do you say? Recant, not count. Recant his faith. He said, no, I won't. They brought his son in. And they said, we're going to beat your son to death in front of you if you don't deny Jesus. And his son cried out, don't do it, Dad. Well, they killed the kid. Where were you, God? Where are you, God? Couldn't you have stopped that? When our hopes and dreams are ruined, come crashing down because our loved one either passes away or maybe rejects us and our plans and our hopes come crashing down. God, this pain, where are you? Can we hold on by our faith? Well, he asks us to. Even though the circumstances of life may be very, very bad sometimes. I mean, we can go in this world from... uh, all the, all the hope and, and, and dreams right in front of us as we get married and have children. And, and, and it's, it can be awesome and we have a new job and we have, and it just, I mean, things are just turning up roses. And they do. And God wants us to enjoy those things. And He wants us to be on those sports teams or He wants us to be in the music or whatever He's laid out for us. It can be awesome. But there's always death up ahead. And there's always heartache of some kind up ahead. There always is. Well, in closing, here's where I want to go in those times. Here's what I need to know in those times. 
I'm glad my sins are forgiven. But I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read it this way. To you, Jerry, who is a saint, one is holy, righteous, and without sin. To you, Jerry, who is in Christ Jesus, you've been placed in there. I've placed you in Christ. And that's where you are. Not only for now, but for all eternity. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose me in him before the foundation of the world, that I would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined me to an adoption as a son through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on me in the beloved. In him I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on me, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to me the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of time. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. He's got it figured out. He had a plan. He's working his plan. I'm in his plan. In him also I have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Wow. I am surrounded and enveloped by the love of God in Christ no matter what the circumstances of life, no matter what the heartaches are. We are all in Christ going to get to the other side and spend eternity with him. Wow. And sometimes it's going to be full of joy and laughter and great things here, and sometimes it's going to be full of heartache and pain. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have what? overcome the world. How does he overcome the world? He didn't run out there, and he's not running out there and just knocking them flat. No, he's overcome the world by taking me out of it. He's overcome the world by making me a new creature. He's overcome the world by giving me a new nature, new DNA, and eyes to behold God more clearly and a heart to serve him more completely. That's what he's done. That's how he overcomes the world. Praise God. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. 
Lord, I thank you for Jared's testimony. I thank you that we can um, be brought along and see and understand you reaching into this world and saving people from Christian families, from Sunday schools, from release time, from Mountain Meadows Bible Camp, whatever the situation may be. Need to go to Alaska and go to church regularly. Need to have a good Christian buddy. Whatever it takes, Lord, you reach into our lives and you save us. And you bring us along. But Lord, in Ephesians chapter 1, we realize that that plan was set in eternity past. And that we're but part of it. And in Christ, we are safe and secure in your love. Lord, I pray this morning, if someone's here and has not experienced that love in their life and that, that hope of being in you, that they will seek me out, seek others, elders, or whoever out and make sure that they're in the kingdom. Make sure that they have a new nature. Make sure that they're born again. Make sure that they're in Christ. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen.